All right. As you guys, uh, uh, excuse me, as you guys know, we've um, been on this uh, message series of posture of discipleship, and, uh, and, and, and we're continuing along that train of thought. Um, you know, our theme scriptures come out of Second Chronicles 7, verses 12 to 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. And from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I just believe, hopefully, you've already starred those, highlighted those, printed those out, done whatever it is to just meditate on those passages of Scripture um, weekly as we're going through this. I really want you to go before God with those and pray into those and, and, and really invite God to do a deep dive into you and, and, and reveal those areas that you've not surrendered to him yet and so, that, so that when he does that, you'll you'll be in a position to humble yourself, repent, and line up with him so that you can walk in authority in the Lord. You can walk in his favor. You can walk in his might. Amen? God will show himself strong on your behalf. So um, those are the theme scriptures that are overarching in everything that we've we've been covering for weeks. And I'm going to ask you to go to the uh, to the book of Daniel. You know, if there was any doubt about this, being where God wanted me to preach from, you know, uh, it was confirmed in uh, uh, elders meeting and in, you know, conversations with, with Johnny and others throughout the week. Uh, Steve, I believe, told me that he's been reading Daniel. Steve Irby has been reading Daniel. And so he probably could preach this better than me, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. And he really, God gave him some really great insights. And uh, from the brief time that we spoke about this on uh, during elders meeting Friday. But we're going to start in, I'm going to do uh, significant parts of uh, the first couple of chapters or so. And um, the, today's uh, message still is posture of discipleship, but more specifically, there is a God in heaven. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes we can lose sight of that in, in, in light of what's in front of us, in light of what's pressing us from all sides, in light of what's bombarding, bombarding our senses. You know, we could be like a punch drunk fighter. You know, you take a couple too many jabs and uh, uh, all rationality and all sensibility and everything goes out the window. You're just swinging wildly trying to survive. You're trying not to see the stars anymore. And we lose sight of our training. We lose sight of what we should be rooted and anchored in. But I just want to remind you this morning, there is a God in heaven. And I believe uh, the book of Daniel exemplifies that as well as any. And so uh, we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to read through and uh, we'll go where the Lord leads us. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So we have the king over the people of God who was besieged by a pagan king, all right? And God gave him over into the pagan king's hand. And that pagan king took even the the, the vessels or the the, the, the valuable items in the king, uh, 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 from the house of God and put them in the house of his pagan gods. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, use without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So he wants to get the best and brightest of the people that he just besieged, the people that he just uh, brought under his rulership, and he's wanting to assimilate them into the pagan culture. If we're not careful, even the people of God can be assimilated into an ungodly culture. Right? So that, that's what he's wanting to do. Let's assimilate them. Let's bring them in and make them one of us. Put the best of them in service of the king. And the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king himself ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. And here we go. Now, They've been besieged. They've been defeated. They've been overwhelmed. They're now under the authority of a king who does not know, serve, or love God. And he's in the process of assimilating them into a culture that does not bow the knee to God. But Daniel... And those three Hebrew boys, I'm so used to calling them by their given names from Babylon, <laughs> but Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah never forgot that their God is God. They never forgot that there is a God in heaven. It may not have felt like there was a God in heaven anymore. It may not have felt like God still ruled and reigned because their circumstances were one of being defeated. The people of God got defeated by a man who knew not God, right? We're not going to always win certain battles. The Bible says that God gave Jehoiakim over to Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know why God allows certain events to happen, but if 
He either rules and reigns or he doesn't. He's God on the throne and God Almighty or he isn't. So if God allows it, you best believe there is a purpose behind it. His ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. If we try to figure this thing out, our heads will explode. We'll go crazy. And there comes a point when we just have to trust God. Who knows why he does things? He sees things on a level we'll never be able to see. But he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. And, and we're just going to have to humble ourselves and release that demand in our hearts to want to know and understand what's going on and just walk with him in faith, trusting in who he is and that he has our good at heart. Amen? He'll work it all together for good. That don't mean we'll like every bit of it. All right? So, God gave them over to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian regime. Daniel could be in his feelings right here, but he's not. He could be questioning God, but he's not. He's got a relationship with God that he knows who God is. He knows that God is God. Amen? And he didn't give up on that. He knew that there was a God in heaven and that this God somehow, some way, was either going to reverse that situation or he put them in this situation to use him in some way. But either way, he was committed to be in the service of God. However, God chose to use him in service of God. Amen? And so here we go. Here's the first challenge here. And it may not seem that significant, but it is very significant. But Daniel resolved. Remember, the king instructed his head eunuch to to, to feed them what the king ate. To give them, let them drink the king's wine. All that's intentional. All right? I'm bringing you guys in. I'm giving you special preferential treatment. I'm rolling out the red carpet. Carpet. I want to make it easy for you to allow yourself to be assimilated and to, and, and to surrender yourself to my rule. I want to appeal to your flesh. I want to appeal to your appetites. You know, I want to do those things that will endear you to me or endear me to you you know it's actually you know pretty smart of him right you've just taken over these people you brought you 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 have an excellent plan of taking the best and brightest and committing them to service we're going to educate them we're going to teach them all our literature we're going to teach them our ways we're going to make them stand and serve before the king I want to try and make them forget the life that they once had. I want to make them forget the God they once served because now they have new gods. They have a new master. And I want them to bind their hearts to me. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, 
I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. You know, there are some things that happen later on that are amazing. We always see them in Bible study. We always gravitate to those stories of God's amazing deliverance from, from death or calamity and so forth and hardship. But I love what this, to me, this is of great significance. This sets up everything in verse 8. When Daniel resolved, you know what? It, it was wisdom and understanding. He resolved, I'm not going to eat the king's food. I'm not going to drink his wine. Not because it was food that was considered unclean. I believe Daniel knew and understood what was going on there. I, I don't want my perspective tainted. I don't want to be compromised in my, in the way that I see this man in this new reality. I don't want to let comfort and, um, and getting the best of, of everything begin to cause me to compromise my standard and my walk with God. And so he said, I'm not going to do it. And the other three Hebrew boys did as well. Hananiah, Mishael, and, and um, Azariah. And I think that's an important distinction that we need to remind ourselves of. As much as we would like to think that America, you know, by and large is a Christian nation, you know what? We ought to be, but the studies show that the number of Christians is decreasing and it's getting lower and lower and lower generation by generation by generation. America in many ways has turned our hearts from God. That's not an easy thing to hear, but it's the truth. 
It is the truth. And, 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 and we're going to have to repent. We're going to have to turn that reality around because we've been called, those of us who are the remnant of God, we've been called to have influence. We've called, been called to have impact. We've been called to spread the gospel, to win the loss, to be fishers of men. And, and, and generation after generation after generation is, is becoming less and less and less as far, in pursuit of God. Something, that means something's not right. We're missing something. Maybe the comforts of, uh, of our freedoms and so forth have caused us to compromise in ways that, that, that we're not proceeding in the urgency in the commission God has given us that we ought to be doing. And we've got to ask ourselves, I believe that's why God is speaking to us. If my people who are called by my names will humble themselves. You know, uh, one of the aspects of love I mentioned last uh, week when we were going through the love chapter, you know, one of the facets, one of the aspects of love is it, it does not insist on its own way. And we're in a political climate. We're in a cultural climate where everybody's insisting on their own way. So much so that that's leaked into the body of Christ. And, and, and we're right there with him insisting on our own way. And, and, and you know what? When we're doing that, we are not humble before God. We are, we are guilty of that sin of pride. We, 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 we're in here fighting secular battles, fighting political battles, fighting cultural battles. And God has said, you know what? There is a command that I've given you. I've commissioned you to do one thing. I've commanded you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. I've commissioned you to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples of them, observing everything that I've taught you to do. And, and somehow our rudders have gotten off. And we're fighting Battles, issues. I'm not going to dismiss the issues. We're on the right side of a lot of issues. But we got to be careful not to, not to fight those issues at the expense of what God has truly called us to do. And I love the humility and remembering that there's a God in heaven and there was a humility there. Notice, Daniel didn't insist on anything. He didn't try to change or uproot anything in that culture. What he endeavored to do was continue to remain faithful to God. What he endeavored to do was continue to keep his walk with God and his heart before God pure and sanctified. So he can remain in obedience to God, even in this ungodly culture that he was in, right? His priority was his relationship with God. And so he appealed to the head eunuch. He didn't make any demands. He appealed to him. And it was what led, it led to a dialogue. And in that dialogue, the head eunuch was like, hey man, if you don't eat this stuff and you start looking worse than the rest of them, guess whose head's going to be chopped off? 
I'm afraid of the king. And so in that dialogue, he just said, okay, I respect that. Here's what we do. Let's test it for 10 days. Hey, you got me for three years, baby. <laughs> All right. So it's going to be a while before I'm presented to the king. So here's, let's do this little short test here. In 10 days, we'll just eat vegetables and drink water. And everybody else will eat the king's food and his wine. And after 10 days, you'll see who looks better, who's better off. And then you can make a judgment. He remained humble before his authority figure, but he also was endeavoring to remain faithful to God. And he just put it into the faithful and trusting hands of God. Right? Come on, man. I, 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 I'm not a salad person. Don't give me lettuce and spinach and so forth as my meals. Especially not for all three meals. I'm not about that. Unless you're going to put some, some chicken and, you know, make it a chef salad, I'm good. I don't know how it happened, but I believe since his heart was right before God and, and, and he was wanting not to be tainted by the king's food and wine and so forth, he did not want his heart tainted. He did not want there to be conflict internally between do I go with God or do I go by the whims of this man. And somehow, somewhere after that 10 days, they looked better than the ones who ate the finest food and drank the finest wine in the land. Amen? And so, because of that result, then the head eunuch felt comfortable. Okay? Just rabbit food and water for you guys. But that set the tone for everything. That lets you know what they were about. They weren't mad or angry at God. They weren't judging God. They, 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 they weren't having a pity party or anything. They, they just knew, they just knew, just like Job knew, you know, God is God when we're thriving and when we're blessed, and he's still God when hardship befalls us. So our perspective of him won't change with the circumstances. We'll remain constant in our faith with him because he's faithful. He's God. He's true. He, he, he is God of gods. He's king of kings and Lord of lords, regardless of whatever the rocky terrain or the, or, 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 or the wave, how wavy life gets. No matter how hard the storms of life rage, God is still God. And we're going to have to remember that. Amen? The way I read that, they just, they ate uh, a salad and water for three years. They still ended up in verse 20. The king found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. Ten times better. Now, keep in mind, Babylon didn't get saved in that three years. They're still just as pagan as they were when they first got there. And yet, God showed himself strong on their behalf in that little test, but they're still in the king's service, aren't they? There are so many things that are beyond their power, beyond their control, 
And they could feel helpless and hopeless and, and so forth and doubt, fear, and unbelief could overcome them, but that never happened with them. And I think that ought to encourage us in the land of the free. All right? There are certain things beyond our control. We can't control, we can vote, but we can't control who gets voted in, who gets voted out. Okay, we have limited control over what policies get implemented and, and enacted and what policies don't. But what we can control is our mindset, our perspective. We can control that. Okay, where, where, where are we? Where are we emotionally and in our perspective, for example, Let's just say Oklahoma. Let's not even go national on this thing. Let's just say Oklahoma. Where are we faith-wise when the governorship of Oklahoma changes changes party hands? All right. Now, now let let's say one of those liberals get in there and become the governor of Oklahoma. Do we clinch up? Are we afraid? Are, 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 are the liberals going to take over and take us down over a cliff with them? Are our prayers full of fear? Oh God, oh God, please don't let the liberals screw up Oklahoma. And, 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 and so if we're in the valley, when the, when the liberal's in office, then are we on the top of the mountain when the conservative is in office? I'm hitting it from both sides here, okay? You know, because in the grand scheme of things, you know, uh, we want people of God serving in those capacities, right? That's, that's the bottom line. We want people of God serving in those positions and so forth. That may not be a guarantee. But we want people of God in there. But but we want our faith to rest in the security that we should have in God. All right? That 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 that, that whether the person in office in the governor or in the mayor's office, whether they are liberal or conservative, whether they're Democrat or Republican or something in between, whatever they are does not affect our trust in God. It does not affect where we stand before God. And we're going to be used by God to affect God's will regardless of the uh, of who has the electoral power. Are you hearing me? And I know if God can do this in a pagan kingdom where it was one man setting the law and he was supreme, he can do that in America. Amen? But 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 we're going to have to not fall for the trap. We're not going to have to fall for the for the false choices a lot of times that that cause us to believe one thing when one party is in power and another thing when another party is in power. That means we are looking at this earthly system and we are elevating it higher than it ought to be. Because the preeminence the authority overriding all of it is God and what he says in his word that the powers that be are ordained of God. Whether we like it or not. Now, some characters are gonna be put in character, are gonna be put into power. 
as part of God dealing with us, teaching us some stuff about ourselves. God, as part of God uh, giving us the consequences of our own actions. Y'all remember Israel asked for a king like the pagan countries did. We want a king like them. God's like, hey, you got me. You don't need them. You know, and he even tried to tell them, if you get a king, he's going to take all, everything for himself. He's going to be self, he's going to be selfish and so forth. We don't care. We want a king. And they get, and they got their king and they ended up with King Saul. All right. And they ended up with a lot of drama that came through all the kingships and so forth. They had some good kings and some bad kings. Kings that loved God, kings that make, tell you what, kings that disobeyed God. And they even had a king who was said to be his heart was after God's own heart. And this guy turned uh, the kingdom into a soap opera. This guy did so much stuff that, trifling stuff, that it helped God convince me, all right, that um, it gave me confidence that, okay, well, maybe God really did call me to be a minister. <laughs> you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at all the stuff I've done and the way I behaved and so and the way I conducted my life, I was like, oh, no, the devil's a liar. He's not going to trick me into thinking I'm a minister and, 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 and giving a black eye to God and so forth, you know. And he led me to that. And I, and I saw this man after God's own heart, you know, see one of his soldiers, Uriah, uh, Uriah, one of his soldiers, his wife, bathing, showering, whatever, you wanted, whatever she was doing, decided he, needed, he had to have her, brought her in. So he commits adultery, gets her pregnant, brings him off the battlefield, under false pretense. He's like, dude, you're so faithful. I just, you're so loyal, man. I just, I just wanted, have I told you, you're my favorite. I tell you what, you deserve a break today. Why don't you go, go into your house, sleep in your bed with your wife and so forth. And, you know, just have fun on me. But he was so faithful. He said, I cannot enjoy my wife. I cannot do that while my men of, while my brothers in arms are out there fighting the battle. I should be out there with them until the victory is won. And what does this man after God's own heart does? He's, oh, okay, plan A failed. We could have passed this child off as his. Um, okay, well, now I'm going to send him back to the battlefield and I'm going to give a secret order that Put him on the front line, and when the battle gets the most intense, draw back the support. And Uriah ends up dead. I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, I know, you know, the baby ends up, God doesn't save the baby. The baby dies and so forth, and he ends up taking uh, Bathsheba as his wife and so forth. And, and David also did some great things. So he was a flawed man. But he was a man called by God, and 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 uh, despite what some of his actions might indicate, this man really had a heart for God. But he sinned. He destroyed lives as a result of his sin. His family was an absolute wreck the rest of his life. He ru- I, I, I look at that. He ruined a family. 
with Uriah and his wife and so forth and his his family life, his family dynamic, his family environment was never the same. He destroyed two families, Uriah's and his own. And guess what? God didn't spare him from the consequences of that action. And yet God's, he repented and God still used him. You know, and I, and it encouraged me that God could use this flawed individual. I, I learned to love uh, characters like David and Peter and some of those guys, you know, because, <laughs> uh, and, and I was thankful. I said, you know, I'm so thankful God doesn't leave anything out. You're right. He, he doesn't just give you the highlights, you know, and make you think these guys were just pure saints and they never committed. No, he puts the whole story in there. And, and, and that actually encouraged me that despite me and my shortcomings and my flaws, God is great enough to call me change me and use me you know and I, and I pray that that's an encouragement to you as well don't 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 be so focused on your flaws that 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 you can't have the faith when God calls you and you feel the call of God that you can't respond uh, because God is able to transform our hearts he's able to transform our lives he's able to to give us the grace and strength and ability to do that which he's purposed and called us to do Amen? And he's given us testimony after testimony in scripture that speaks to that reality. And, and some of this may have to go into next week because I still got a lot more and we'll, we'll see. But, um, so they set the tone. And that's why I wanted to include chapter one just to show you the backdrop, the circumstances, the people of God were overwhelmed and taken over by an ungodly and powerful kingdom. And everything after that, you see some of the people of God, specifically Daniel um, and the three Hebrew boys, there are tremendous testimonies coming. All of which happened in that environment. That ungodly environment with a king, a prideful king, who is, who is among the most powerful kings ever. And let's skip over to chapter 2. Now, I'm going to start in verse 14, but... Uh, if you, maybe you can read the, the whole chapter later on, but Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, right? And he, uh, and this dream troubled him. And he asked all of his, uh, all of his guys to uh, see if they could interpret the dream for, for him. And the king must have known that those guys I'm trying to think of something other than BSing him, but I guess for lack of a better word, that these, that those guys, they would, he would give them a dream, and there are so many different ways you can interpret a dream. They would just give an interpretation. They would have no idea what it meant. 
but they would give him an interpretation that would that would maintain their favor with him. And by the time, you know, by the time this, uh, the reality or the eventual reality of that dream ever came about, something else was going on and they could always adjust facts as things developed. So they weren't able to tell him his dreams. They were full of it, basically. And they continued to go before him and, and serve in that role. So he goes to him and says, all right, here's what I want y'all to do. I'm not going to tell you the dream. I had a dream. I'm troubled by it. I want y'all to tell me what the dream was and then give me the interpretation of it. <laughs> that, that is what he told him. I want y'all to tell me what I dreamed. And then give me the interpretation of it. And they're like, no man can do that. Only the gods know that. I mean, who, who can do that? And so, so he got upset because they couldn't do it. And he just decided he's just going to kill all of them. <laughs> he says he's just going to, I'm done. And so, uh, verse 12, as a matter of fact, verse 12, it says, because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men in Babylon be destroyed. All of them, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just all of them. He's, he's done with wise men. He must have really been troubled. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So they're included. Then Daniel, Look at this. Now, imagine how you would feel in the midst of that. You, you get hit with that decree. They're coming to pick you up, and they're about to kill everybody. And Daniel kept his cool. He said, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? <laughs> then, Because he didn't say, Hey, put them in prison. Uh, we're, they're all going to stand trial and so forth, and we'll decide what to do with them later. He said, no, I want you to round them up and kill them right now. <laughs> all right? And he's like, so what happened? Why is his decree so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the, interp that he might show the interpretation to the king. Just imagine that. He's like, okay. I tell you what, make me an appointment with the king, all right? So give me an opportunity to give the king the, uh, what, what he's asking and requiring of us. And then what does he do then? Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. There's a God in heaven. Amen and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Hallelujah. And, and you know, and then Daniel answered and said, he's like, blessed be the God, the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. 
He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. They're still serving a pagan king. Their circumstance has not changed, yet they're still praising God in the middle of this, right? You know, their lives were at stake. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Praise the Lord. He got his boys together. They prayed. God revealed it to him in a vision. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. And so he gives the king the interpretation. And you know what? I'm just going to skip down to verse 46. So he gives him the interpretation. And this king who worships idols, who serves pagan gods, who does not know Daniel's God, what does he say? Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. Now, this is a slave. Not only that, it's a young one. Because they, you know, they got the brightest, the best and brightest youth to come serve under the king. All right? And so you got a king here who falls upon his face. He bows before him, falls upon his face, and pays homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. This is the Lord's work. There's a God in heaven here, y'all. The king answered and said to Daniel, now here it is. He's, now he's testifying about Daniel's God. This shows the power and the, the power and might of Almighty God. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. So you see these people of God being elevated into positions of prominence in a pagan land. Amen. And all they're doing is walking with God. You know, they're not trying to disrupt, you know, the political structure. They're not trying to undermine the king's authority in any way. They, they, they're remaining respectful. Okay. They're, 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 they're kind of going with the flow to some degree as long as it doesn't contradict the truth of God. Amen. And so they're following God. They're walking with God. And when trouble arises, what do they do? They turn to God. And they ask God to bring insight and wisdom. They ask God to speak to them concerning the matter. And God comes through and he speaks. And they act on it. And guess what? Then it becomes real. The reality of God springs forward in the heart of the people who don't know God. 
They're honoring the people of God and they're honoring the God that they proclaim and serve. Amen? And we're talking a man of authority here. You know, um, and you know what I think may be highlighted to him? Anyone, any good leader, all right, any good leader, any, any true leader wants to surround him or herself with people that they can trust, right? With people who will uh, speak truth to them, all right? With people who respect them enough and care about them enough and their vision and what they're trying to accomplish, that they're going to speak truth to them even if it's a hard truth that must be spoken. They don't want people who are angling. Their, their, their main objective is just to climb the, the, the professional ladder. And if they can do it by hook or by crook, they'll do it. But, you know, when, when leaders, they're looking for character traits. They're looking for people who have principle. They're looking for people who have ethics. They're looking for people who, who, who have a moral center. Someone who has convictions and who will stand on those convictions. Amen? One who respects authority, you know, but stands for truth. All right? And so they never disrespected the authority of the king. But they didn't compromise their walk with the Lord either. Are you hearing me? And so, uh, so when things happened and they didn't have an answer for it, it was beyond their ability in the natural to, to overcome it. What they do? Okay, God, what do I do? I want to hear from you. Uh, uh, and, and, and God spoke to them. They moved on it and amazing stuff happened. And Daniel came through. You know, I'm going to spend another, I'm just going to push forward and spend another 10 or 15 minutes here if, 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 uh, if y'all don't mind. I want you to uh, uh, skip over to Daniel chapter 3. Thank y'all. Told y'all I had a lot. I'm just parked in Daniel. We're not even doing any extra scriptures. We're just staying in Daniel. But I just, I just want to, I can't emphasize that enough that through it all, in the face of it all, there remains a God in heaven, okay, who is mighty to save. Amen? Who can make ways when there doesn't seem to be a way for us to move forward in, 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 in whatever way we need to. Amen? Even in the face of, of, of bad leadership, you know, God is not powerless. He's not impotent. He's able to do it. But what, what he needs for us to do is to remember that there is a God in heaven and for us not to lose hope and for us to draw close to him, hear from him as to what he requires of us in this circumstance. And if we'll do that and we'll act accordingly, we'll see God move We'll see him move mightily in ways that the very people who need God, it'll get their attention. It'll soften hearts. It'll, it'll pique the interest of people that might want to consider this God that we proclaim. Amen? And so, 
uh, this next, uh, uh, in the next chapter, we know that that's, uh, it leads us to a very, uh, uh, well-known passage of scripture when, uh, we know that King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, makes this huge idol <laughs> and, and he requires that everyone bow down and worship, uh, uh, that idol and, um, these Chaldeans come and, you know, and sneak over to the king and, and say, hey, you know, we're not ones to gossip, so you didn't hear this from us. But you know that decree that you passed, that nobody should worship anything but this idol or any but your gods and so forth, and say, well, you know, those, 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 those Jewish guys, those ones that you favor, you know, those guys don't worship your gods. Those guys aren't, uh, they aren't obeying your decree. The ones you rewarded by setting them and appointing them over the affairs of Babylon, of the province, you know, those guys. The ones you like more than you like us. They don't love you like we do. And so, uh, verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, after hearing that, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? And I read this as though he didn't even really give them a chance to answer. He just moves on. Sometimes you ask a question, you've already decided what the answer is in your mind. So uh, he says, is it true? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. If you're ready to fall down and worship when you hear all that stuff, it'll be well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? There's a God in heaven, y'all. And I love it. And it all started, you could tell what kind of character and what kind of metal they had from the very first day over the issue with the food and the wine. That set a tone and it just continued throughout it all. And so, you know, it's, it's obvious and, and, and it's beyond dispute that thou shalt have no other gods before God. You cannot worship idols. That makes the top ten list of commandments. Right? And so, and so they're just walking in obedience to God. They're not trying to upset the apple cart, but they're not going to be compromised in their faith. Right? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, this is the king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's pretty authoritative and declarative, isn't it? He's able to do it and he will do it. You know, and I think 
I think they spoke that truth because what did he end his ultimatum with? I'll throw you into the furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? If I if I've decided and determined to do this, there's not a God alive. There's not a God that exists that will be able to that will be able to save you or spare you. And they said, "Well, I hear you. If this be so, if you decide to throw us in there, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if He doesn't." Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. And so regardless of what God does, we know he's able to and we believe he's going to. But even if he doesn't decide to, okay, then I guess it's the furnace for us because we're not going to worship your idols. We're not going to worship your gods. And so that's a heart that's committed. Okay, God, I'm with you through thick and thin. I'm with you, though it costs me my life. I am, I've decided to follow Jesus and not for comfort, not for blessing, not for what you can do for me, not for your hand being out uh, to, to give me all the things my heart desires, but, but because you're real. Amen. You are real. We, you, your love for me is real. Your faithfulness to me is real. Our relationship is real. Amen. And it's an eternal covenant that we have, that we have entered into. This, this relationship that we have is beyond this life. It's beyond this world. It's beyond this existence. Okay. And so, and so even if I have to face hardship and even if it, uh, uh, even if my life has to be taken, if I have to be martyred in my walk with you, so be it. I'm ready for that to happen because I will not turn my back on you. You know, this threat is real, but it's not as real as you. Hallelujah. There is a God in heaven. And he is the one that has real power, real authority. You may be able to take my life here on earth, but he has the power to give me eternal life. Hallelujah. So they told him what he could do with his ultimatum. And he wasn't happy about that. He was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. I'm just going to roll right into the next then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. Something shocked him. Something amazed him. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. There's a God in heaven. 
and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Hallelujah. There is a God in heaven. Come out and come here. He even declaring that their God is the most high God. Come on now. That's not a, that's not one of the people of God. This is a, this is a pagan king. And even he is saying, your God's the most high. My goodness. Come out of there. Then Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Are you kidding me? That is awesome. And this guy said, it's the most high God. And, and we're going to finish out here. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, he still hasn't declared him to be his God. All right. He, he's, he, he's, he's, given, he's given praise to their God. But blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. See, trusting in God, that's a powerful testimony in and of itself, right? Because as we trust in him, God will show himself strong on our behalf in ways that, that are the best sermon oftentimes. Amen? So they trusted in God, and then he got a chance to see God move mightily. In a way, and, and his heart was pricked in a way that just a sermon from them would not have accomplished. Does that make sense? So he says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Are we prepared to yield up our bodies if necessary? Are we prepared when we hear someone, when we hear someone encourage us or incite us to, to think or behave or act in a way that is contrary to God? You know, are, are, are we willing to make that stand? Are we willing to take the heat? Are we willing to yield our bodies and stand strong and say, you know what? Uh, uh, that ain't God. And I will not do that because to do that would grieve the heart of my God. To do that would put me in disobedience to the will of my God. Are you hearing me? You know, um, I don't care how much you think that those people deserve this or that and the other. That's not the heart of my God. So, so, so I will not partner with the accuser of the brethren. I will not partner with hate. I will not partner with condemnation. I will not partner with unforgiveness and bitterness. I will not partner with those things that are not consistent with the character and heart and will of my heavenly father. Amen? And so we're going to have to fight that good fight of faith and not allow, you know, what is it? Proverbs uh, 4.23, I believe, that guard your heart 
with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. We're going to have to guard our hearts. From what false preachers and false prophets and, 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 and people who are trying to, um, you know, motivate us to get into the flesh and, and, and to behave in something in some way other than we ought to be behaving as Christians. Are you hearing me? We're going to have to. And if we'll do that, you know, even the unsaved, even unsaved authorities Okay, can be reached. They can be convinced. They can be amazed. And, and, and they will even get to a point to where they can declare, you know what, I may not believe what they believe, but there's something real. There's something real about that God that they proclaim. You know, they, they, but okay, let me get back to that. So he, he's proclaiming, blesses their God who delivered them when they trusted in him. And they set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Therefore, it changed his heart. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, you know what? Uh, I, I, I worship some gods of my own. You know, I'm familiar with a few, but I've never seen a God do what their God just did. Oh my goodness. Imagine if we just had that same attitude and we had that, that same tenacity to, to walk with God in a way that, that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And they had even more unfavorable circumstances than we're confronted with here in this country. It, it should be easier for us to make the stand and say, you know what? I, I'm not for team A or team B. I'm for team God. And, and, and whether you try to pull me into the ditch on the right or pull me into the ditch on the left, I'm not going. I'm staying on the straight and narrow path. I'm walking in God's truth. Amen. And then final verse, then the king promoted <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Just, just think about the unlikelihood of that and I'll, and I'll wind it down here. So, you get these young fellas, and your objective all along is to take the best and brightest young people from the people of God and to assimilate them into your culture and put them into your service. And from day one, they're like, you know, you're trying to win their hearts. You're trying to win their compliance. You're trying to get them to substitute the God and, 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 and the world that they used to know for yours. And these young people, amazing to me, at such a young age, they know God <laughs> in such a real way that, that, that they will not be conformed. They will not be conformed as far as their walk with God, they, they have no choice but to serve the king. But there are certain compromises that they will not make. And that, that those compromises in regards to their relationship with God. And, 
And, and, and you know what? You can coexist and, and, and day after day after day, and that conflict might not arise, but eventually it's going to happen. The conflict will happen between the, uh, between the, the Gentile way of doing things and, and God's way of doing things. And what will we do in those moments where they intersect, in those moments where that conflict is risen? You know, are, are, are we going to, are we going to stand with God? Are we going to go to God, hear from him, and walk in obedience to him in the midst of those moments? Even when we have to do it, um, in the face of an ungodly authority, because there could be real consequences in doing that. You know, uh, we've seen time and time and time again where certain leaders won't stand up to the big leaders and so uh, leaders above them for fear of consequences. Well, leadership demands more than that, right? And so it's easy to point the finger at somebody else, but personalizing it when we're in that hot seat, when it's our turn, when the challenge is before us, think you need to ask yourself, am I ready to give even, to yield up even my body if necessary in my stand for God's truth. If God doesn't turn America and, and, and its politics and, and its culture, if he doesn't just totally turn it around to where, you know, uh, to where the numbers are flipped upside down and we have more people walking with God than not, if he doesn't change that reality around, you know, what, what if I've been praying for that? And if that doesn't happen, then what? Is he not God anymore? There's still a God in heaven, isn't he? What do we do with that? Are we going to be uh, disappointed? Are we going to be upset? Are we going, you know, at some point, uh, Micah, uh, Micah 6, what I mentioned last week and so forth, it says, what is it? You know what God has told you to do. To, you know, to the third thing he said was to walk humbly with your God. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And we take our prayers and our requests to God. But we do so in humility. And we follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, I have some things I want you to do. If there's a different way to go about bringing, bringing about the reconciliation and salvation of mankind, I know you're able to do it. And he can persist in it. He asked three times, and each time he finished by saying, but not my will, yours be done. So as we're praying unto the Lord, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to pray, what not to pray, and so forth. But I will challenge you and so forth to say, you know, it, go beyond. It's, it's okay. You're praying in faith, and you're really wanting God to do something. But make sure that you're doing it in humility before God, and that you've resolved in your heart, okay, God, 
um, you know the desire of my heart. And I'm praying to you, Father God, in faith concerning this matter. But Father God, not my will be done, but your will. If your will is to do something different here, then I want your will to be done. You know, that's walking humbly with our God, right? Uh, uh, That's not a lack of faith. That's not a lack of faith. You know, that's walking humbly with our God. And so, so, so we're giving space to and acknowledging that we know in part and we see in part. We don't have it all figured out. We're trusting God. We're walking with him as best we can. God, the, in, in the understanding that I have, this is what I'd like for you to do. But you know the end from the beginning. You see farther down the road than me. You have the fuller picture of everything and your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so, so, so let your will be done, Lord, and then lead me in how I can come alongside and partner with your ways. And it marveled at me, you know, it just marveled me, and I'm going to ask you all to stand. It marveled. I marveled at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, and so forth. These young men... You know, they they didn't have to yell and scream. They didn't make demands or insist on their own way. They didn't have to do that because they always kept themselves in remembrance that there is a God in heaven and that despite the changing circumstance, he still rules. He still reigns. He's still in control. And so God allowed these circumstances for reasons beyond my understanding, but but I trust in him. He will turn this thing around some way. But in, and, and, and I may or may not live to see that day when it's turned around. But I'm here now. I'm in the situation. There's still a God in heaven. He's still able to do. Uh, to, 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 he's still able to work miracles. He's still able to show himself strong on my behalf. He's still able to affect his will. He's able to humble authorities, whether they know him or not. He has the power to change circumstances for my favor. Circumstances that were against me. The, the odds were, were stacked against me. So I will not change my perspective of who he is and what he's capable of just because of the circumstances that I'm in. Are you hearing me? And so I just want you to be encouraged in that this day and time and so forth. There's a God in heaven, y'all, and he's still working. Uh, We gave testimony of the ways in which he's working throughout the service today. He is still working. He's still doing mighty deeds. He's still showing himself strong on on our behalf. He's still transforming lives and saving souls. And 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 I and I know in your hearts, like me, you you want to you want to partner with him in that. Amen. And so 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 let's be reminded of that. And so uh, join me in prayer, Heavenly Father. We thank you so much for speaking to us, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the truth, Father, that you and you alone are God. Uh, uh, I'm going to quote the words of the pagan king. You are the most high God. 
All right. There are pretenders through the throne, but there's only one throne and you sit on it. You are king of kings and lord of lords. And so, Father God, we exalt you today. We, we, we bless the name of the Lord. We acknowledge that there is a God in heaven and, and that, and that God in heaven rules and reigns supreme and that he, that these events would not be unless he allowed it. And if he allowed it, there is a purpose behind it. So, Father, awaken us, open our eyes, open our understanding, open our ears to hear what God is saying, to see what he is doing and give us understanding, Father God, that we might humbly walk with you as you are doing your work and accomplishing your will. We want to be the church that is used of you, Father God, to accomplish your awesome will. There are lives, there are lives that that, that, that you've called us to minister to, lives that you want to restore, lives that you want to heal, lives that you want to transform, people who feel worthless that you want to show them the value, the treasure that they are to you. Father God, there is, there is so much ministry that needs to be done, Father God, and we just want to, we want to know your heart and we want to know your will. Speak to us, Father, that your humble servants might walk in faithful obedience to you, Father, and 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 be an extension of your beautiful and wonderful and loving hands. And Father, as we do these things, we pray at all times that you are glorified. We will make sure to exalt you. We will, be, we will make sure to declare that it is not us, hallelujah, but our God. So Father God, I just, I pray that you bless your people, Lord, and, and, and continue to convict us, Father God, and to, and to lead us into the way everlasting, Father, in Jesus' name.